safe for the safe for the minute. You'll you'll be coming you could come out here, you could be doing the night dark that forward and you might rain it's wind not to take chances. We're all cows of the news. Good evening, I'm Keith Fahey and welcome to this week's edition of Country Life. On the show this week we'll be speaking to Paul Mooney who's a journalist with the Irish Farmers Journal on the New Land Report from the Irish Farmers Journal. We'll be speaking to Pat Murphy from the IFA on sourcing fertiliser from the north and we'll also be speaking to Mick Culkeen and John Murphy from the Credit Union uh, talking about their upcoming inform- information event for farmers and the agri-sector. Plus we will have all the latest from any marts and farming news from across the country and to get in, show, uh, get in contact with the show please don't hesitate to email us at Country Life at Galway Bay That's Country Life at Galway Bay and we will get back to you. So, just in relation to some mart reports this week, so if we look at the Lockray mart report, there was a larger sheep sale with a much more increased trade with hoggets in high demand. 150 to 166 euro was reached many times, which was a with the price unheard, which was a price unheard of a few weeks back. Culios also improved with trade with tops of 220 euro. The sheep sale is on every Thursday at 10:30 a.m. So that's the Lockray Mart. Uh, some sample prices included hoggets at 39 kilos, setting for 100 or 256 a kilo. 42.2 kilos, setting for 130. 46.2 kilos, selling for 136. 50.2, setting for 145. 53.4, setting for 162 then on to some colios a 78.3 kilo colio sold for 147 an 86 kilo yo sold for 157 a 96 kilo yo sold for 171 and a 95 kilo yo sold for 190 so that's some colio prices in the Lockray Mart uh, moving on to some other price, uh, some other um, prices in there in terms of the cattle sales uh, super turnout last Saturday for the special breeding and feeding heifer sale which was in conjunction with the usual cattle sale the sale attracted both on new online and ringside buyers in particular for the breeding heifers there was an increased cow numbers met with high demand and selling well bullocks also in demand with farmers starting to get that bit more for active cattle um, along with the um, feedlot uh, herds uh, some sample prices of cow prices range from an average of 240 to 284 a kilo an Aberdeen cross comb at 590 kilo sold for 1480 at 251 a kilo a limousine 555 kilo sold for 1380 or 249 a kilo a limousine weighing 635 kilo sold for 1660 or that equates to 261 a kilo a Charlie cross cow weighing 640 kilo sold for 1820 or 284 a kilo then onto some whalings in the Lockray Mart whalings were on offer uh, met with the trade described as ex- extremely dear some whaling heifers uh, some whaling heifer prices there included three limousine 230 kilo heifers selling for 910 limousine 255 kilo whaling heifer selling for 960 or that equates to 376 a kilo a limousine heifer weighing 330 uh, sold for 1110 two limousines weighing 362.5 kilo sold for 1180 or 326 a kilo then onto some whaling bulls 6285 kilo nine, uh, went to 990 or that's 347 a kilo uh, Charlie Crossbull whaling wing 310 kilos sold for 1,090 or 352 a kilo there was also a large entry of heifers uh, with lots to lots to choose from for the breeding farmers um, an extremely hot trade met across with all weights some sample prices uh, limousine cross at 385 kilos selling for 1,210 uh, limousine cross weighing 585 selling for 1800 then in terms of bullock numbers were increasingly steady with uh, trade quite strong for all types five blonde Aquitaine crosses sold for four, at 428 kilos sold for 1390 or 325 a kilo four limousines at four, averaging 438 kilos sold for 1460 two Charlies uh, bullocks at 487 kilos sold for 1650 um, a Frisian bullock at 590 kilos sold for 1550 or 263 a kilo um, and the Lockray Mart would like to thank you for your uh, uh, continued support 
and a reminder that the uh, councillor Michael Fahey Memorial Cup sale is on Saturday the 8th of April and to book uh, contact 091-841-219 that's 091-841-219 then on to the Montpellier Mart cattle sale was on Friday the 24th of March larger number on offer uh, than the previous week special sale of cows was met with a very strong trade especially for heavier and fleshier type cows also a very strong t- trade uh, for all lots of store cattle and whalings on offer with a massive 97% clearing clearance of all stock on offer um, they've also had a, s- a special sale of store heifers here um, in the Montpellier Mart next week uh, some separate cow prices a Charlie cross cow weighing um, 1105 kilos sold for 2200 or 2 and 199 a kilo a limousine cross wing 770 kilo sold for 2050 some store heifers a limousine cross wing uh, 510 sold for 1310 uh, some store bullocks we- uh, weighing uh, 530 kilos limousines sold for 1650 uh, two Frisian 330 kilos sold for 560 or 170 a kilo whaling heifers one limousine cross weighing 325 kilos sold for 1170 some whaling bullocks a limousine cross weighing 325 sold for 1210 a Shirley cross weighing 335 sold for 11.70 and the cattle sales every Friday um, evening uh, at 6pm gates open at 4pm and this Friday the, um, there will be a special sale of store heifers as well um, so just moving on to some other pri- uh, marts so on the Chew Mart there um, trade on Chum on Monday the 27th of March uh, was very good while heavy cattle and store prices prevail whaling trade at Chum appears to be on fire according to the Chew Mart report some sample prices included for cows include an 810 kilo limousine cross cow sold for 2280 a 590 kilo Shirley cross cow sold for 1680 or 285 a kilo a 550 kilo Belgian blue cross sold for 1580 or 287 a kilo a 745 kilo limousine cross cow made 2190 or 294 a kilo and then some sample heifer prices included a 465 kilo Shirley selling for 1440 or 310 a kilo a 485 kilo limousine cross selling for 1470 or 303 a kilo a 480 Aberdeen Angus cross heifer sold for 1500 or 313 a kilo 520 kilo Shirley heifer sold for 1620 and then onto some bullock prices a pair of 427 uh, kilo Hereford Cross sold for 1330 or 311 a kilo a 510 kilo limousine cross sold for 1610 or 316 a kilo a 655 kilo um, Charlie Bullock sold for 2040 or that equates to 311 a kilo and then onto some waning bull prices included a 285 kilo limousine cross sold selling for 1090 or 382 a kilo a pair of 335 kilo limousine crosses sold for 1460 or 411 a kilo a four 55 kilo Charlie Cross uh, sold for 1500 or 330 kilo 3.30 a kilo. Bookings have commenced for the, uh, the April the 10th bank holiday sale, the cattle sale and the next evening sale, whaling sale takes place on the 17th of April and booking inquiries for two March can be got on 093 So we're delighted of Pat Murphy, the regional chair for IFA on the line. Pat, you're very welcome onto Country Life. So I suppose, firstly, Pat, you know, in the last couple of years, we've seen massive fluctuations in relation to a lot of different um, commodities. But I suppose uh, fertiliser is a massive one at the moment. Uh, While I suppose a lot of farmers at the moment thought the price would be a lot lower than it is, we're still seeing big variations with the price of fertiliser, especially uh, when we compare north and south uh, prices, Pat. Uh, you're involved there with uh, organising fertiliser maybe coming from the north uh, down to the south I suppose first first of all why maybe did the IFA decide to get involved in this? Thanks Keith and thanks for having me the reason we got involved in this is we're coming up to a very critical time of the year 
we say when uh, most farmers this is the time to put out most of the fertilizer, whereas it livestock or tillage farmers. And we could see, you know, we all hear the stories that fertilizer is just getting cheaper in the north. It wasn't getting cheaper here. So we did a survey on it. And we found that at that time, and this is going back maybe a month ago now, that there was 140 euros of a difference between urea in the north and urea here. And to us, that was unacceptable. And we can have all the meetings we like about it or give out about it. Actions oftentimes speak louder than words. And that's why we took the decision to bring in fertilizer uh, down from the north to, to go to the trouble to get the contacts to source to source it and to bring it down. Because in reality, if fertilizer is 140 euros a ton cheaper in the north, well, it should be as cheap here. Why, and the question we have to ask is, why did it not come down here? And sometimes the only way you can do that is go and bring in a few loads of it and force the prices to come down here. Pat, 140 euro is a phenomenal difference in it in a ton of fertilizer. You know, even if we look at, we'll say an averagely stocked farmer, you know, using you know 10 ton of of urea or maybe, you know, like that's a difference of 1400 euro um in a year. We'll say for you know, and a lot of farmers will be spreading a lot more than that, and then there's a lot of farmers, I suppose, that will be spreading a lot less than that. But if we just t- take 10 ton of ton, uh, 10 ton of urea, uh, Pat, do you know what? Just an average, say, rough costings, 1400 euro is a phenomenal difference um, we'll say for two neighbouring farmers buying the same thing if they can source it from the north or the south It's frightening Keith and it's unacceptable because look at this time of the year whether you're putting out 20 tonne of it or putting out 4 tonne of it that's a big cost on any farm at this time of the year and if it can be sourced cheaper in the north well why can't we or why can't farmers have access to that and that's the question we that's why we did what we did it's trying to put money into farmers' pockets or save money. There's enough costs in farms at the minute where fuel is, is slowly edging down, but it's still very high. Feed is still very high. Fertilizer was crazy high and wasn't storing here, but it was storing elsewhere. So that's why we did what we did, to try and ease some sort of a burden on farmers. Because if you can, a euro earned is, a euro saved is the same as a euro earned. And Pat, you know, like, how can farmers get the fertilizer? You know, a lot of people, a lot of our listeners there on Country Life are, you know, a, a large proportion are farmers, and they're probably listening to maybe here saying, "How can I get cheaper fertilizer?" The, yeah, good question, and a lot of farmers are asking me that even today. Um, the best way we have at the minute is, we say, if two or three farmers or four or five farmers can get together, um, to maybe to to source a load of it. So there's 28 ton, give or take, on a load of fertilizer. The cleanest, the handiest way for everyone is if a number of farmers can come together or good, good luck to the, the farmers that may be able to buy an Arctic load of it. But if a number of farmers can come together um, and put in the order, we have the contact. So if you contact either myself or the county chairman, um, we can get that. We'll give you that number of a, a, a couple of contacts that we have dealing with the Northern Ireland fertilizer. Uh, and you can go the, through the, the payment details with them. But that's the system that's working best for us at the minute. Number of um, merchants are also getting involved in, and trying to source this um, in northern fertilizer as well. I think there is a, at least two around the, the county that's doing it. So, like, there is a number of ways out there, but best way to is make contact with, with ourselves and we'll find you in the best direction for what, what's in your area. And we can give you the numbers that we have uh, and try and give you the best, you know, the, the most up to date quotes that we have as well. So, there's it's if you can get the numbers together and get the people together and commit to paying for it, there's no problem. We'll, get, we'll help get it down. And maybe, Pat, you know, 
a lot of farmers are going to ask the question, why is it cheaper in the north than it is here? I simply don't know that. And, and if I did, if I did answer you any more, I'd be speculating it. Um, like fertilizer has to be brought into the island of Ireland, no matter where it's, it's not manufactured here. So it's all imported. And um, why the two main with the compounders that we have are not storing with it, we don't know. All we know is that the fertilizer in the north is a different brand, but it's a good fertilizer was retailing it cheaper and that's why we've done what we've done to try and bring it down. Maybe did it, maybe did the importers have fertilizer on hand pre forward bought and at a dear price. So but I'd be only speculating if we go any further, but that is that is the reality. It's it's not it's not a game where there's much clarity in. Okay. And is it mostly nitrogen or are we looking at compounds that's being brought down? Across the board. Okay. Everything is coming down at the minute. We didn't know it's coming to lab and today where there was there was can, there was eighteen six twelve, there was a special product there, twenty zero ten for a for a farmer that couldn't put out phosphorus. So look at what basically we can expect to buy normally here is available in the in the north as well. Okay. And I suppose, you know, and we're not trying to maybe take any business from merchants or that around Galway or that, but, you know, I suppose, how are farmers going to pay for this? We'll say if they do decide to source it elsewhere, Pat, you know, are they going to have to come up with the money up front where maybe in the past or in the last couple of years they would have bought off their merchant and might have gotten a, a month or just two grace maybe to pay for it? Yeah. Look, when you order the, the fertiliser through the through the contacts in the north, you are paying for it up front. If there's a couple, if, the, if you do business with one of the couple of merchants, and maybe more merchants might get involved now when they see what's happening, and would say normal trading would, would be kind of resumed with, with a bit of credit. But any fertilizer that you order yourself through, through the northern contacts that we have really has to be paid for up front because, look, it's all new business, and look, it's, it's, it's customers that this person has never dealt with before. Put the shoe on the other foot, Keith, you'd be slow enough offering credit either. So look, at it's always better to pay for it up front. It's the cleanest, cleanest way out of it. Okay, I suppose that that's if you know farmers are in a position to um, pay for it up front. You know, a lot of farmers, you know, may need a credit of a couple of months there in in certain cases. Uh, just Pat, um, yeah. I read recently you're you're decided to throw your name in the hat for deputy president of the IFA. Um, well done and fair play to you. The best to look. Uh, I suppose Pat, what's your agenda? Um, and what would you like to change or improve if given uh, the, the the job as deputy IFA? Thanks, Keith, for wishing me luck on it for a start. Uh, I don't know what I ever get since, but yes, look, my my term as regional chair is it's on its last year, and um, so I have decided, look, after much deliberation, to to go forward the deputy president. Um, look, I'm over 20 years representing farmers in a, in 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 different in different sectors in IFA, um, and I always want to try and make sure that farmers have a voice. No good fertilizer at the minute is one classic example that we're trying to, that we're trying to do. The nature restoration now is one that's coming this year that I want to make sure that it isn't as damaging as it could be. That's going through the European Parliament at the minute and will be debated as well at commission level. Could you explain uh, maybe nature restoration, maybe for some of our listeners, um Pat, that may be unfamiliar with the the, the nature restoration market is basically the rewetting and rewilding uh of with say wetlands and ground at the minute, also extra designations um, 
we have a special SAC project team within the IFA at the minute. And we're very concerned about we'll say, these new designations that are being we'll say, bandied about, but no one is able to give us clear answers on. So, for example, there's an awful lot of wetlands around, around the country, but especially up and down the West Coast, and we have them, a lot of them here in Galway. This is land that farmers have reclaimed back for the number of generations going back, and they're trying to make productive land and trying to out of with their wetland, which is the rain that's falling with these days. It's hard enough work to do to keep it dry and to keep it productive. This land could potentially be brought back into, we say, designated land and be and forestry wetting or forestry wilding of scrubland, and to make it, we say, take it out of farm production. That's why we have the fear of this. Over the next few years, there's three steps along this line. Between now and 2030, they're talking about doubling the amount of designated land. It's currently on 13%. They're talking about bringing that to 30%. By between 2030 to 2040, they're doubling that again. And by 2050, they're talking about having restored or designated land or a combination of both of up to 70% of the land and of the, the wetlands of this country. That to us is too far and it's unacceptable. And that's why we are currently un undertaking a big lobby campaign with our MEPs to try and prevent the damaging effects of that happening. If, as expected, that it's passed by in the Swedish presidency up to the end of June, each country will then have two years to put a plan in place for each step of the way that I've after outlining of how they have a plan to how they're going to re-wet and rewild and how much land they're going to bring in and to identify land on maps that could potentially be brought into this. So from my point of view, that's a very frightening fact, the amount of uh, marginal land that we have in this, in this county that farmers are continuously trying to keep dry and keep productive on a yearly basis. But that is a fear that, that we have at the minute, and that's one of the things that I'm pushing in my for however long I'm left in IFA. You know, you talk about re-wetting and rewilding, as you said, you know, this obviously is going to have a big impact on productive uh, agricultural ground, whether it be beef, lamb, tillage, sheep or whatever, uh, Pat. You know, when we see uh, a world population increasing uh, at such a scale, um, you know, while obviously we need to produce food in a very sustainable manner, you know, we also have to ensure that uh, food security is, is of vital importance. And this seems to be totally lost in the, this round of cap negotiations in particular, which was negotiated right up until the unfortunate war started. And there doesn't seem to be much talk about food security. Now, there's a very finite amount of food to spare at any one time across, across the world. And you're right, Keith, we have an, uh, an expanding world population. There's over 8 billion people in the world at the minute. And like we are good at producing food and we do it very sustainably but, and we can produce and we have done. We exported 16 billion euros worth of exports from the food and drinks industry last year alone. And when you look at it, there is a job in the economy for everyone that wants it. If you look back to 70 years ago, which is where they want to kind of return the land to what it was like 70 years ago, we had a lot of immigration, and my own mother was one of them that had to immigrate from this country because there was no jobs or nothing available in, in rural economy. And it was all about, we'll say, just survive what you could 
provide for them on the farm, would, would, would try and feed the family. That has all changed now. And the value of food production to the rural economy, and it keeps hurling the football clubs going, it keeps the local shop or the local pub going, it keeps the local church going. That money circulating in the rural economy is very, very important to that economy. If you bring in, if you designate land and you cut the, the, the production of that, okay, you might give a few quid compensation, but that compensation is not going into the, the circular economy because there's no money needs to be spent with, say, buying a couple of bags of nuts or buying a gate or buying a ring feeder or buying the things that we normally buy on a daily basis. And that's why the economy is so important to us, and that's why we're trying to keep, to keep food production going and not to, li- not to let land go idle and let, and let land be compensated for. And what we've also seen in the past, any land that has been designated has been compensated for a small number of years, and then the compensation seems to dry up, but the designations remain, and that's another big point we have. You know, you spoke very well there about, you know, food security. Uh, farm safety, Pat, is obviously of vital importance as well, you know. We often see, you know, springtime is a crazy time in farms. We see, you know, you're dealing with machinery, livestock, there's, you know, family farms, you have all ages maybe helping out at the crazy times. People are up during the night maybe checking sheep, checking lambs, checking cows, checking calves, etc. It's very important, I suppose, you know, and it's, as we move on to later on in the spring, you know, a lot of people maybe have more energy at the start of the spring. You know, it's of vital importance now that, you know, people have had a very busy spring, obviously, on all types of farms this spring. Um, you know, how important is it to make sure that, you know, we, that there's no chances taken um, for the last few weeks of spring? Yeah, and it's a big important because we've all seen, like we've all seen the march that we've had following an exceptionally dry February when we thought everything was easy. Next minute, you have March coming in. You have, we'll say, the calving and the lambing is still going on. But unfortunately, with this weather, you have pneumonia, you have scours, and farmers are just killed out tired. They're up at night, and there was power cuts across the country, or the county last night as well. Yards are dark. Like, so what I would say is, look at, if there's a bale twine left around the place, or if there's a, uh, an upper, or if there's a, something that you could trick over left around the place and you spot it, don't take a chance on it. Pick it up and put it put it into a safe place at the minute. Because just think of, you know, you could be coming out here with the power cut and the night could be dark and you could trip over that and it's wind and rain and you might hit your head. So not to take any chances. And look, we're all calving cows at the minute. Cows can be dangerous, especially suckler cows around case. To take no chances. You might just say, I'm in a hurry now or I put that cow in there and the next minute she, she goes calving and you because you're rushing, because you're tired, and when you're tired, you can make kind of half stupid, dopey decisions. Those are the decisions that will cost you. Just take no chances. And if you put that, train your mind to that the whole time, it will prevent any accidents happening. And I hope that everyone can get through the spring uh, as, as safe as possible. But my advice, Keith, is to everyone that's listening just if you see something during the day when you have a bit of energy to do something about it, and sometimes it might only take a few seconds to pick up that can or pick up that bucket that's left in the wrong place by somebody else or pick up, we'll say, the, the lead of a flex or something that has been left down that you have something during the day in a hurry. Pick it up, put it to one side, out of safe, out of harm's way in case you need to come up during the night and to dark because of the power cut or because the lights are off. 
Uh, Pat Murphy, Regional Chair of the IFA, thanks very much for coming on Country Life and we wish you all the best um, in your campaign for Deputy President of the IFA. It would be great to see uh, a Galway man to be Deputy President as well. So uh, the best luck with it and uh, thanks very much for coming on. Country Life, brought to you by Your Credit Union. Renovate. Your credit union is the foundation to your home renovations. Credit unions in Ireland are regulated by the Central Bank. Terms and conditions apply. So we're delighted to have John Murphy from St. Jarlis Credit Union and Mick Colkeen, uh, former CEO of the Credit Union and uh, a farmer as well, uh, on the line. So you're very welcome on to Country Life and I suppose we'd we'd like to thank you as well, you know, for sponsoring the show. Uh, so John, I suppose I might go to you first. Can, I suppose, John, can you tell us a little bit about your role with the uh, the Credit Union? Well, my role, uh, Keith, is as branch manager with St. Charlotte's Credit Union. Um, I've been branch manager now for two and a half years since we merged uh, with Glenamady Credit Union. Um, so I've been involved in the credit unions for over 14 years. And in particular, in the last two and a half years, we've got uh, far more involved with the firm and community. Uh, my role involves uh, lending and underwriting uh, loans to farmers in the community. Okay, and what is Cultivate, uh, John? Just to maybe some of our listeners may be unfamiliar with it. Um, you might just well, explain to what is what Cultivate is and what service it provides for uh, farmers. Yeah, um, Cultivate. It's an initiative of a group of forty-six credit unions with over one hundred and fifty offices. And we provide like short to medium term loan uh, support uh, built specifically around the growing needs of uh, the credit union firm and members and um, participate in credit unions across the country, um, you know, uh, train their staff so that they're familiar with all the various types of farming from dairy tillage, uh, suckler, uh, sheep farming all of that so that when a farmer member comes into the credit union, they're meeting somebody who um, is skilled in the area of farm lending. And what kind of, um, you know, what are farmers using the funding for, John? Are we looking at, you know, tractors, developments? We're looking at, uh, the number one thing would be uh, stock and loans. Um, the second thing you'd sort of be looking at farm buildings and sheds and that, yeah, the equipment would be sort of third there along with tractors and, uh, you know, tankers and drippler, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, of course, jeeps would fe- feature highly up there as well. Okay. Mick, uh, you're also very welcome on. You're the former CEO and a farmer, so you're breeding pedigree cattle there. So I suppose, Mick, you have the you know the view of both the lender and the farmer. Um, I suppose the Cultivate is, is, a, is a great service there for farmers. I suppose from a farming um, angle, I suppose, what's your uh, view of Cultivate? Well, the biggest attraction of Cultivate is uh, the old value, people. Um, when we, when we set out to set up Cultivate, uh, we had a couple of uh, visions about it. One was that uh, it, it was people-based, uh, local decisions, uh, none of this uh, long drawn-out application or whatever. We also saw day one as uh, we would do a simple offering at the very beginning, launch the brand, get it recognized by our farming members, and uh, initially put in a, a loan for any purpose up to 75000 for a medium period of time for any farming purpose and to make that both accessible and consumable to, to our members. And that has worked. 
But the big thing that uh, um, worked for it was it was a, a local, people-based, uh, decision-based uh, service. So hopefully we'll build on that. We said when we launched it that it was only going to be the start, and we're already working on a couple of other offerings as well. So uh, that's what has made uh, Cultivate successful, and I think it, 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 it will sail on uh, further to the, for the success. I suppose Mick there as well if we look at the you know the, the TAMS have, has been rolled on again uh, there Mick you know for the, so we'll probably see a lot more you know continuation of buildings you know farm safety is obviously vitally important and you know you've you've, you've really pushed that as well you know in terms of, of, of farming and that you know I suppose in relation to the TAMS you know 75,000 euro is a lot of money too where farmers can you know uh, really improve their farm and as we said the safety of it you know, we see a lot of farmers especially in and around the Galway region there make you know a lot of them would be I suppose part time farmers we're looking at a lot of, there's a lot of suckler cows around the Galway region you know a lot of people working off farm they want to make things as safe and easy as possible so that they can do their farming in the few hours in the morning or few hours in the evening you know 75,000 along with the TAMS grant gives farmers a great opportunity to pay back a new building over a number of years Great point Keith uh, um, as, look at uh, I've been a part time farmer for a long time myself and all you say is right a lot of the stuff we do is a bit of a hurry. Uh, a lot of the stuff is, you know, early morning, late night. But uh, all of that has to be now, uh, you know, geared around about uh, farm safety, far- sustainability, the whole energy and, and the carboning. So it is an exciting time, but it's also a, a time of huge potential. Uh, it's also time that uh, institutions like credit unions or banks or whatever actually deliver on the, the you know, the ethos of, uh, genuine ethos of uh, sustainability, the carbon efficiency and the green uh, 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 the green area. But uh, we're well fixed uh, for doing that and uh, that's one of the areas I hope that the, we, you'll see an offering out in the next few weeks uh, for probably uh, uh, bigger loans, uh, maybe asset-backed, but uh, uh, for, for on the same basis we did cultivate. It's in under the brand of cultivate. And John, maybe to go back to yourself as well, John, you know, you have Cultivate this week. I suppose, what is Cultivate Week, uh, John? Um, what are you doing and how are you promoting, we'll say, the different types of agriculture? How are you hitting your audience? What's involved with Cultivate Week? Yeah, well, look, Cultivate Week, it's, um, this is the first annual Cultivate Week. It's a celebration of the credit union's commitment to the farming community. Um, it takes place from the 27th of March uh, which has started yesterday until the 2nd of April. And like what we'll be doing there uh, to promote um, that is we're giving away a €100 co-op voucher each day on the Ronan Lardner show. Uh, we're also visiting Marts in the locality. We were in Toome uh, yesterday evening. And um, we'll be doing various other things during the week uh, to promote um, the, the the commitment we have to the farming community. Very good. You know, Tum is obviously, you know, with the Mart and the Credit Union there, it's a it's a big area as well. And in relation to farming, we just had the, the Mart report there from Tum as well. And we see that, you know, cattle prices are flying in at the minute. Um, you know, we're looking at wailings, any kind of wailing at all, nearly over three euro a kilo. Um, heavier cull cows are going a phenomenal price at the minute as well, according to the, the Tum Mart report there as well. And maybe Mick, uh, just to go back to yourself there, uh, as part of Cultivate uh, Week, you're also having a very, uh, a, a big, 
big, very informative webinar. I suppose, can you tell us maybe when this is on and maybe what speakers you have at the at, at the webinar? Uh, it's taking place on the 29th of March uh, and it's grandly titled uh, The Farming Outlook Spring 2023. Uh, it, it, it's to provide an opportunity for the, for the Cultivate Credit Union members and farmers to get some insights into the latest trends from various experts uh, in the in the industry, and um, three that I can name top of my head is uh, uh, Breland Carroll, Philip O'Connor, IFAC, Adam Woods, Irish Farmers Journal, uh, and um, the, 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 there's more information to be found on the on the on the Cultivate website. That's www.cultivate-cu.ie, and uh, what it means is that uh, people should look it up register and take part in it but uh, as John said hopefully it's going to be an annual event and it is something that uh, we're you know if we're trying to share more information connect more with our farming members and uh, increase the awareness of what the credit union can now do for the farming members okay and how can farmers register for the webinar uh, you go onto the website and uh, the, 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 the tick off thing is that says sign up and go in through that Okay, very good. So that's Cultivate on the... Again, on the, the website is www.cultivate.cu.ie. Okay, very good. Maybe, John, back to you. Um, you know, what makes Cultivate different to other offerings? I suppose it's, um, it's the personalised service and it's the fact that the, uh, it's a local decision-making um, process. So, like, it's local farmers getting a local decision from their local credit union. Um, that's really what makes it different uh, to, to, to people. Um, also, I just want to point out, I suppose, that, uh, like, in the locality, uh, Gort Credit Union, Ballinasloe Credit Union, and uh, Neve Brendon in Loch Grey are all participants in Cultivate Locally. Okay, very good, very good. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a, it's a great service there. We see, you know, you know, for machinery, we looked at farm buildings. You know, your stocking, your stocking is a, the stocking loan is the big one at the moment as well as, as you said. Uh, Mick, maybe just to recoup there, um, you know, you're you're sponsoring Country Life as well, which is great, and we're delighted to have you on board. Um, just to I suppose so, just to give us a, a another more information on that, and maybe how farmers can register again if anyone maybe is only after tuning on. And there, you might um, give us uh, more information there, and, um, and 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 a bit of a recoup there. Yep, it's, it's, it's as I said, it's the w- a website www.cultivate-cu.ie, and if that's if, uh, there's a there's a there's a there's a link off that to, to, to register and sign up. If there's any difficulty with it, uh, give a give a call to uh, either John uh, or Bernie or somebody in one of our offices, and look, they'll be delighted to help you with it. But uh, it's uh, again in in sponsoring uh, uh, the program, Keith. We're delighted to the opportunity. We're looking for that for a while, actually, because early days when we launched Cultivate, uh, Keith, uh, the other Keith, <laughs> yeah. Keith Finnegan was a huge help. Okay. And uh, um, you know, I, I would like to think we had, we had a very good relationship with the radio station to our mutual benefit. So uh, uh, we we never lose sight of uh, uh, you know people that we work well with. It's the same as uh, you know, Guy um, F A. Joe Joe Healy at the time was a huge was a huge help. Uh, the the local mark managers you mentioned to mark there huge help, uh, both as support and uh, keeping us informed. So um, 
delighted with it and thanks for the opportunity, Keith, to thank those people and acknowledge them. No bother. So you have Breen Carroll, the ACA advisor, you have Adam Woods, from the beef editor of the Irish Farmers Journal, and you also have Philip O'Connor, uh, head of farm support there. Um, and more information yes. can be got at cultivate-cu.ie. Um, and the four credit unions involved, as you said, is Banlasloe, Gart, St. Giles, and Eve Brendon in uh, Lockray as well. And you have the 100 euro daily voucher uh, on the Ronan Lardner show every day uh, for the co-op voucher. So look, uh, lads, it was lovely to have you on the line. So we had John. Murphy uh, from St. Charles Credit Union and Mick Culkeen, uh, the former CEO and uh, a farmer as well um, from the, the Credit Union. So uh, that's on the 29th of March. Uh, so the spring uh, farming outlook. Um, so a lot of information there, whether it's be financial information from the likes of Philip O'Connor, um, from IFAC, you have Adam Woods for we'll t- say the beef or the sheep or the, the technical side of things. And we also have a, a, the, you also have the advisor there as well from the ACA, Breen Carroll. So, so thanks very much, lads, for coming on Country Life. Country Life, brought to you by your credit union. Education. From enrolment to graduation, your credit union supports your education. Credit unions in Ireland are regulated by the Central Bank. Terms and conditions apply. So next up, we're delighted to have Paul Mooney from the Irish Farmers Journal. Paul, you're very welcome on to Country Life. Um, I suppose me, you might get, you tell our listeners maybe, Paul, a little bit about your role with the Farmers Journal. Yes, Keith. Uh, I'm the property editor there, so each week I would cover the farms that come on the market and are up for sale uh, uh, right around the country. Farms going for option, farms for sale, private treaty, farms put up for leasing out, that kind of thing, you know. Okay. Keith? Very good, very good. You had an interesting, very interesting article there, um, uh, Paul, you know, covering the new land market report uh, that was published um, there mid the 16th of um, March. I suppose, can you tell our listeners a little bit about this report and what what it entailed? Yes. So this is actually the 16th year that the Farmers Journal has done this uh, annual report, Keith. And what it is doing is trying to track farmland prices in the previous year, you know, 2022 in this case. Uh, in, in March 2023. So we would we would uh, keep track of uh, farms that are put up for sale, advertised there, whether it's in the national papers or online, whatever. And we would then, uh, at the start of the new year, we would contact auctioneers and ask them for details of all the farms that sold. So a lot of the information we're given would be confidential, like right, Keith, it would relate to private treaty sales. So we would treat that in the utmost confidence. Uh, what we're using the numbers for then is just to crunch uh, and, and an average selling price for the country and an average selling price for each province and then down again further for each county and just to track the changes from year to year to see where prices are going and, and then we would try to explore the reasons why prices might be going up or down or whether demand is up or down, that type of thing. Okay, just to follow on from that, Paul, I suppose, how and why is there such a demand for farmland at present? Uh, there's multiple reasons for the strong demand that we've seen like in 2022 and at the moment and over the over recent years, Keith. So in, in no particular order, I list them out. Dairy farmers, you know, have been very active buyers of land last year and in recent years, you know. And uh, so that, that's to do with all the factors that you would regularly talk about your listeners there. One that, you know, expansion of, of dairy herds right around the country after quotas went. Uh, and then, of course, the 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 the, the, um, the pressures that are coming on farmers on organic nitrogen levels and the nitrates directive and basically stocking rates. Uh, so farmers are under this dairy farmers are under this new pressure to uh, basically acquire more land by either buying or leasing. You know, so that, that that's that's the demand for land coming from the dairy farmer. And um, but then, of course, you have other you have demand for land from every other farmer, basically there. 
um, you know, who who might have a successor coming along in the shape of son or a daughter. And the farmers are always uh, kind of watchful. I think keep a viability, you know, whether it's a full time farm or a part time farm. You know, part time farmer will say, "Gosh, I, I got myself a, a, a reasonable bit of income from the holding here last year, and if I had another ten or fifteen acres to add to that, it it would make the farm uh, viable going forward. That bit for for uh, for someone who's coming after after the afterwards, you know." Um, so there's always a great demand there, and uh, a factor, a factor, Keith, that I would see around is that around uh, sizable towns across Ireland, really in every county in Ireland, um, around the sizable towns, you'd have one or two farmers who would have sold land for development, basically at at good prices, very good prices, and they're in a position now to go out and um, replace the land that they lost with other farms and other land, you know, and and they would always always be a factor driving land because they would have. Um, uh, by by definition, if they've so you know got enough, they got a good sale price for the farm that they sold. Well, that in turn gives them the money then to uh, buy a replacement farm. You know, so they'd be strong buyers always, um, uh, particularly I suppose around the Leinster region and around the bigger towns and cities. That there could be farmers with a lot of money in their pockets, and they're they're doing what they know best. They want to keep farming and for the family and keep keep the farm viable. Uh, and so they're, they're strong buyers of land. And Keith, just finally, uh, to finish on this one now, on the demand side there, you do have the people who we would call business type buyers. In other words, they're not full-time farmers. So they could be business owners. They might own the local car dealership there in the town uh, or any kind of a business like that. They're probably from a farming background. You know, if you look back there, uh, they're from a farming background. It's what they know they would know well, know it best. And uh, they're very comfortable to buy land. Um, they probably regard it as a very a very safe investment to, you know, to to have there along with other investments they might have, and uh, you know they might farm it themselves part time, they might lease it out, they might just put a few ponies on it, they might do very little with it. Uh, Keith, as every every kind of plan is in people's minds, you know, but uh, for land is seen as a pretty uh, stable and safe investment there at the moment, given that there's many an economic cloud around on the horizon, you know, over the last two or three two or three years particularly, you know. Yeah, and you know, as you said, it's a very safe investment, Paul. You know, and it's it's it seems to be going up in value every year as well. It it certainly does, yeah, yeah. And also, you you know, you're writing property from all over, as you said, the the country, uh, Paul. I suppose you you see uh, some phenomenal prices as well. I suppose where are you seeing the biggest prices being achieved in relation to national um, areas? The highest prices always, uh, Keith. Um, would be in Leinster and closest to the capital. Um, and then you would see strong prices, of course, around the big cities, around Cork City, around Galway City, you know, around Limerick. Um, but but because of the big population bulge there uh, in Leinster, in the Leinster counties and in particular around the capital, uh, you w- and, and, and the sheer level of business activity there, you will see the highest prices. You know, the average price uh, in County Dublin, for example, there mightn't be much farmland left there, uh, but there's, there's quite a bit on the north side of the county, very good land. Um, an average price there would be 19,000, 20,000 from year to year was just over 19,000 last year, you know, for example. Um, you'd have similarly very good prices down around Cork uh, and, and the Leinster counties like like um, Carlow and Kilkenny and whatever, you know, where there's uh, down, down there you're starting to see milk, for example, and the likes of Kilkenny uh, milk influence and demand by dairy farmers becoming a very strong factor, you know, on lifting price, you know. Um, but for example, uh, you'd obviously, you know, um, you would tend to see strong prices in Galway as well across the county on average and price increase there in 2022, we got a significant increase um, uh, when we did the calculations, uh, uh, Keith, and um, 
Uh, there in the county. Okay. And you know, it's a very uh, reputable, I suppose, um, report as well, uh, Paul, as you said there, you put a lot of information into it. You know, the the total area accounted, you know, you're dealing with 870 parcels of land. Uh, The farms amounted to over 42,000 acres offered for sale. So, like, it's a very reputable, you're looking at, you're not looking at small areas, you're looking at very large areas. You have a lot of information gone into this report. Yeah, we, we, we would... I think it gives you a good handle on how prices change from year to year, um, Keith. Now, there, there's, uh, we, 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 we set certain criteria for the farms that we would include. We exclude land that might be zoned for development around the big town there in your county in Galway there. Do you know what I mean? Okay. You exclude that because that land could, could uh, it's gone beyond farmland prices. And similarly, we exclude holdings under 10 acres and there's many, many of them because we just feel that there, there might be a site value coming into that. That was probably more important in fairness to 10 years ago when, when it might have been that bit easier to get planning permission for a small site of an acre or half an acre. But um, but we would still tend to exclude those. We would exclude pure stands of forestry, for example. Uh, you know, uh, that they're just the various criteria we set. But the strength, of, I think, in particular of this survey would be just tracking change from year to year. Okay, and just in relation to entitlements and that, would there be a lot of entitlements traded with the land, or would there be separate in most cases? Or what are you seeing in your? It's, it's it's a great question, Keith. Um, I, I would think entitlements, you know, would be approximately a third, a third at most now, a third of uh, land transactions, uh, and probably declining from year to year. I think you know, and I think less attention is being paid to entitlements as well. You know, the value of entitlements is going to take a dip again now, obviously in 2023 in the new cap, um, and and. Um, uh, uh, we certainly see less importance being placed on entitlements and land sales now in 2022 than say five or ten years ago. Um, uh, but uh, uh, probably somewhere within a quarter and, and maybe maybe, okay. maybe as much as a third over recent years. And we're looking as well at the report, you know, prices are up marginally by 3% in 2021, while the total volume of land sold is also up 5%. I suppose nearly they could be reflective of each other maybe, uh, Paul, you know, with increased prices, we would probably would be expecting that more people would sell land as well, probably. Yeah, there were stronger increases the previous two years, Keith, and without a doubt that might have tempted some people to say, yes, now would be a good time to sell land, especially if they see there's a bit of uncertainty there between war and, and, and pandemic and whatnot. Um, some people would like, we would take a view that this is a, a strong point in the, the land market sell now. But, you know, I always feel myself, it's the whole, it's the whole um, issue of entitlements and direct payments. That has encouraged farmers to actually hold on to land, you know, so the amount of land trading that we'd have found in our surveys from year to year has kind of has gone steadily downwards, uh, Keith, but we, we saw like a bit of a small increase there this year, all right, you know, but um, the entitlements and the payments are encouraging farmers, even if they get maybe older and ease back on the intensity of the farming, they, they still hold on to entitlements and claim, claim the payment, the annual payment, you know. So that's it this week from Country Life. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if there are any queries or any topics you'd like covered, uh, please don't hesitate to give me an email at countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. That's countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. And I'll get back to you. And I'd like to thank all our speakers this evening with Pat Murphy um, from the IFA, the regional chair. And we also had Paul Mooney from the Irish Farmers Journal uh, speaking on the, the land report. 
support and I'd also like to, to thank the, the representatives from the Saint, from the credit unions on Cultivate Loans so we had John and we had Mick um, so thanks very much and that's their webinar on the 29th of March um, with Philip O'Connor Adam Muds and um, Breen Carroll uh, from the ACA so uh, more information can be got on Cultivate um, the website www.cultivate.ie so uh, that's it for this week uh, next up is Melodies followed by The Nightfly <laughs>